You're listening to a Roddenberry Podcast. It's 7 p.m. Pacific Time and 10 p.m. Eastern Time, which means it's that time. It's time for Mission Log Live, and I'm so glad that I've turned on every single lamp in my studio. And with us tonight is Heather Barker. How are you doing, Heather? Hi, I'm good, except for crazy allergies. Um, so bear with me tonight. We're back to talk to all of you about Star Trek Strange New Worlds, Episodes 3, Ghost of Valyria. And as always, we want to hear from you in the Facebook chat and live with us here. You know what to do. Just click on the Zoom link or give us a ring by using the one tap from your smartphone or call us at 669-900-6833 and enter the meeting code and password you see in the show notes. You know, I don't know if people could have heard it because I have a pretty decent microphone, but I was reading, I was you know, doing the countdown because I can't do the countdown in my head. Holly used to make fun of me about this all the time. And you probably heard the timer go off on my phone. So I apologize for that. Uh, I'm not going to make Earl do the edit on that because of my just absolutely ridiculous mistake. Uh, and I, I blame the caffeine. I always do because that's what happens around the 10 o'clock hour. Uh, it's great to see everyone in the chat. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we have Scott Palm in there. Uh, Paul, always nice to have a Paul this early. Uh, Matthew, good to see you. Uh, Matthew and I uh, had an inc- a wonderful podcast recording. Matthew, I'm not going to uh, to jump the gun, so you know I'll let you talk about it if you want to talk about it in chat. But it was fantastic. Can't wait for people for people to hear it. Uh, hi, Jane, uh, Spencer, Tim, Dave. Good to see you. Hello, Heather, in chat. Good to see you. Uh, let's see another Paul. Fantastic, uh, Dave. Hope you're doing well, my friend. Uh, Jama. I know it's Jama. You didn't rewrite your name for me to say it correctly this time. So, um, but I'm pretty sure it was Jama. Uh, I got Spencer, John Arminio. Always good to see John Arminio. Another Paul. That's possibly two or three, depending on if I can count correctly. Nope, there's Paul Wright. That's definitely three. We have a Paul Fecta. So thanks, everyone, for joining us. Thanks, everyone, for being here. We have a lot of great stuff coming up on Mission Log this week. Now, this week, starting on Sunday, and it's continuing tonight, and it's going to be continuing on Wednesday. Now, now, hopefully, last week, you were able to hear our interview with Darren Doctorman and David C. Fine about their stories and anecdotes and a little bit of the details that, from what you know went into the Star Trek, the motion picture, 4K restoration and remaster, which is happening in the Fathom events this week. So make sure you listen to that. Make sure you get your tickets. Uh, I had the opportunity of seeing it last night at my local theater which was weird because I have not been in a theater in t- since 2020, since March of 2020. Heather, have you seen it yet? Nope. No. Nope. Are you Sadly. planning on it? I want to go, um, but I have four dogs at home and one that's brand new. Um, oh. So I don't know if, yeah, it's a really tough. I need to get like a, I'm a dog sitter, but I need to get a dog sitter. A dog I sitter for the dog sitter. Okay. Yeah, I think that's what I'll have to do because I, I mean, I've, I'm repping the shirt tonight. Like, I really, really want to go see it. Yeah. Um, but like, I've got to get my button gear. All right. Well, if you can't see it out in the theater, of course, you can see it um, if you need to see it in that way. Uh, but if you need to see it in total, you can always watch it on Paramount Plus streaming. On this Thursday, we're back for our regularly scheduled mission log with Star Trek Voyager Heroes and Demons. So here's the question, and you can write else, you know, write in about this, you know, to uh, us on missionlog at roddenberry.com. You can answer this question: Who did Beowulf better, this episode or the animated movie of 2007? It's kind of a toss-up, right? 
not so much of a toss-up. Uh, this is not sure. Mm, maybe mm, not. Mm. Okay, so <laughs> I'm putting all of that aside because I want everyone to tune into what I am saying right now. This Wednesday, May 25th, Mission Log, The Orville, will release their very special interview with Seth McFarlane, his self. So make sure you go to Mission Log, The Orville playlist exclusively on youtube.com slash Roddenberry Entertainment. Remember, this is Seth McFarlane, and we are a week away, a week, 10 days away from the premiere for season three, The Orville, New Horizons on Hulu, June 2nd. You don't want to miss that, of course. And when you're there at Roddenberry Entertainment, make sure you check out Mission Log Prodigy and Mission Log Engage as well. Make sure you hit the like, share, and subscribe button so you can stay in touch with all the newest episodes, especially for Prodigy, whenever we actually get back to doing that, because Prodigy has been on the hiatus of hiatuses. That was a lot. Uh, And I hope, I really do hope that we get some new information soon about Prodigy because it's been kind of long. What's going on with that? My timer's going off. There are ghosts of Illyria in my phone. Speaking of ghosts of Illyria, we're going to get to that in a little bit. But Heather was off last week, and I wanted to make sure that, Heather, you had a chance to be able to talk about Children of the Comet and your comments and what you felt about that episode. So take it away. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I So the, this quote like didn't sum up the episode in any way, but the quotes um, that Una said in the beginning or the end, shoot, I don't remember when she said it, but she said, just under, just because you receive a message from the future doesn't mean you understand it. And that just stood out to me so much because I think it's an inkling of what's to come. Um, I think... Again, I'm just really interested to see how they handle uh, Pike's future and and where it goes. So to me, I just thought it was so beautifully like it fits into the episode and it speaks of things to come. But much like tonight's episode, I feel like I've been waiting, what, almost 56 years for an episode that is very focused on Ahura. And then with this week's episode, one that's very focused on Una. Um, I love that they pulled from canon that we already knew, like we knew that she loves to sing. And so I had no idea that Celia Gooding was so amazing. Like all of these Star Trek actors, they just blow me away. Um, So it was really great to, to see that connection and to learn a little bit about her backstory. Um, But I wish it hadn't been so tragic. And Mm -hmm. I wasn't sure I, I didn't get to listen to last week's episode. So I wasn't sure what your thoughts were. Um, and what our guest reaction was, if that got brought up at all. I think that that was talked about a little bit, uh, not specifically, but I think that also the, uh, in, in balancing that, the, tra- the tragedy of that, I think someone uh, brought in um, a real world, I believe it was Alan brought in more kind of like the real world connection of Spock advising Uhura to stay the way that Nichelle was advised by Martin Luther, Dr. Martin Luther oh, King Jr. to stay. So yeah. it was nice to be able to look at that as a, a positive connection for Uhura's character because there was, you know, there is a strong, um, you know, a, a strong and continued narrative every time Nichelle Nichols says in, you know, in, in her public speaking um, events that that was the moment 
much like Spock to a horror in the, that episode. That was the moment with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. where she said, okay, I, got, I have to be on the show. I have to stay on yeah. the show for the reasons that he stated. That's so really lovely. I thought that was a nice way of, of spinning that around from, yes, of course, the, the, yeah. the tragic beginnings of her career with both of her parents and her brother you know, being killed and then going to university and only being reminded of that. So I thought that was like her grandmother in Starfleet. That's so amazing. And it's just like, ah, that was such a neat thing to put out there um, despite the trauma. And I, you know, I do think that part of what Star Trek and media in general is, is doing right now and is encouraging us to talk about our trauma because we do all have trauma in our lives. It may not be um, as, as big for everyone as it has been for specific characters across the different shows. Um, but yeah, that's really lovely. And I uh, thank you for sharing that with me um, because that definitely helps put a little spin on that part of the episode. But I just, I love that again, we had a really nice episode that um, felt like a Star Trek. They all feel like Star Trek episodes. I don't want to <laughs> like, put anything against the other shows, but what I love about Strange New Worlds is that there's so much room to breathe. Um, and so you get to have these moments between characters where they share a little bit about themselves. You're learning about the characters. You're learning who they are from like just their interactions with each other. They can be a little spicy here and there. Mm-hmm. Um and so it's just, it wrapped up with such a positive ending. Um, and so that I just felt really good at the end of that episode. Um, and that set me up for, for this week and another great episode. All righty. Well, that's a nice transition there. It's like right on cue. She's so pro folks. It's just amazing. So she had right into Star Trek Strange New World, season one, episode three, Ghosts of Valeria. Take it away. <laughs> In her first officer's log, Uno reveals the Enterprise is on a mission to investigate the abandoned Illyrian colony of Hedemite 9. The Illyrians are a humanoid species who modify their genes to enhance capabilities and levels of function. As genetic modification is forbidden in the Federation, Illyrians have been prohibited from joining. On the planet, an ion storm is fast approaching. Pike leaves to find Spock and orders number one to get the team back to the Enterprise. We see an ensign shining a flashlight on an array of burned out bulbs. (laughs) Kind of curious. In the transporter room, Chief Kyle struggles to lock onto the team's signal. He reaches out to Hammer and Engineering for help, who reroutes auxiliary power and engages systems back up. A self-proclaimed genius, Hammer successfully helps bring the crew back on board, except for Spike and Captain Pike. I knew I was going to say Spike at some point because this whole time it's been Spike or uh, pork. I, I don't know what's happening in my brain, but all day long. So <laughs> if I do it again, let's count, count how many times I do it. All right. <laughs> okay. Back to except Spock and Captain Pike. While examining the Illyrian library, Spock discovers the cache of journals as Pike rushes them back to beam up. Unfortunately, the ion storm prevents their return and our heroes run to safety. On the bridge, number one takes command and makes Captain Pike and Spock the team's priority. Until they can communicate with them again, we do our job, she says. In the hallway, Ortegas comes across instant <laughs> lamps from earlier with the light bulbs. Uh, in the corridor, depancing in front of a lighted wall panel before diving in headfirst. Something is starting to feel amiss on this ship. In her quarters, number one displays a similar attraction to a lamp before increasing the illumination 
station in her cabin and going full sub Rosa, ripping her tunic a la Captain Kirk while absorbing the light. Literally, she glows and seems able to process and control the energy. After she's back to normal, Una checks in with Dr. Mbega, who reports multiple officers from the landing party are being assessed in sickbay for some similar symptoms. They're being attracted to light to the point of self-harm. Una denies having experienced any symptoms herself and traces everything back to low vitamin D levels. After consulting Hammer in engineering, Una begins to update Pike on the crew status before losing contact. In her quarters, she consults the computer on a... In the- <laughs> In her quarter, she consults the computer on Illyrian genetic modification related to disease control and the Illyrian settlement. Lon enters and the two touch on her family history in relation to Khan, Nuni, and Singh, clearly confirming that Lon isn't like her ancestor before she begins displaying symptoms as well. Dr. Mbega orders a full lockdown on the ship with all non-essential personnel confined to quarters. While down on the planet, Pike laments, there are sick people on my ship and we're stuck down here. I don't like feeling helpless. Spock discovers that the Illyrian settlers wanted to join the Federation and were in the midst of de-engineering themselves in order to do so. Pike calls his attention to the raging wisps of light energy outside. Uhura awakens in her quarters to find her roommates worshipping a ball of light. In sickbay, we learn the infection has spread to 50 crew members. Dr. Mbega becomes unusually protective when Hemmer enters to inspect the emergency medical transporter. You're only making things worse, he yells, and Hemmer hightails it out of there. Back on the planet, Captain Pike and Mr. Spock hold the energy beings at bay. Spock is injured, a slip of green blood on his throat, as Pike exclaims, any closer, and that would have hit the carotid. On a human, Spock reminds him. Sorry, I love these lines. They they like they mm-hmm. need the attention. Accompanied by Ahura, number one retraces the cadet steps, including concluding she avoided infection by sleeping in the dark. Una confirms that light waves carry additional energy around infected crew members, thus the contagion travels via light waves. Una, Nurse Chapel, and Dr. Mbega work together to conclude the best option to spread the contagion is to turn off the lights, sedating the infected crew members for their safety and comfort. Back in her quarters, Una is her is continuing her Illyrian research when she's interrupted by an alert in the transporter room. There she finds Hemmer infected and attempting to transport a portion of the planet's core onto the ship. She's able to stop him, knocking him out, and then picks him up like a ragdoll, carrying all him carrying him all the way down the corridor and creating one of the most awesome moments in Star Trek history. I will never forget that moment. It was so cool. I am arming us with knowledge. Spock has learned from the journals that the creatures appeared as the Illyrians were succumbing to the disease and did not harm the colony. The ion storm takes over the library, and as the windows burst open, the creatures rush in and form a protective bubble around Pike and Spock. In sickbay, Una admits she's already contracted the disease and is an Illyrian. Although her blood can't be used for the antidote, she's determined to find a way. Mbenga says, oh, I messed that up. Mega says some really beautiful things and reminds her that she can't help here no matter what she does. Una sedates the doctor, then finds Nurse Chapel on the floor in sick bay. Suddenly, a warp core breach is imminent. Commander Una finds and fights Laan until she submits, but not without projecting and confessing the bullying and abuse she suffered as a descendant of Khan. 
Pike questions why the plasma creatures didn't save the colonists, and Spock suggests that they were, in fact, the colonists themselves, whom the journals revealed were also affected by light, some so desperately that they ran into the ion storm and perhaps evolved into the entities. Spock removes a tube that is a thorough account of the colonists' initiative to renounce their genetic engineering in order to join the Federation, and I have to wonder if we're going to see more about Illyria and the Federation in the future. We learned that Chapel was able to synthesize chimeric antibodies from Laon, produced when she was near the commander, and created a cure for the disease. Una leaves, leaves sick bay to find Laon eating strawberries in the mess hall. They continue the differences. They discuss the differences between the Augments and Illyrians, emphasizing the Illyrians' better nature. Laon questions why Una hides herself and her truth, and before we know it, we find Una confessing to Captain Pike, who rejects her resignation and commits to risking keeping her secret and keeping her on board. You're an example, he says, you let me worry about Starfleet. Una visits Dr. Mbenga to confront him about his medical transporter after Hemmer's reports found that the doctor had been storing something in the pattern buffer. He admits that Rukia, his daughter, who is diagnosed with signalchemia, had a 12-week prognosis to live, and so he stored her in the pattern buffer while they searched for a cure among the planets on on the five-year mission. Una commits to providing Mbega a dedicated power source directly from the warp core so he can continue the journey with his daughter while preventing the issue from happening again. Una asks, when will be when will it be enough to just be an Illyrian? I think a question that many of us understand. Una deleted her log and the episode closes with Mbinga reading to his daughter. Sorry, that was so long. <laughs> that was so good though. <laughs> Thank you Thank so much, you. Heather, for that. You know, um being newer to the show, uh, it, one of the more difficult things is to try and break down an episode like this, especially plot-heavy episodes, of which every single one of them so far has been. <laughs> so breaking down uh, Strange New Worlds, breaking down uh, Children of the Comet, uh, sometimes you know you just really get lost in some of those incredibly special moments like you've been pulling out and some of those great quotes. Let's, let's get right into it. Um, what did you think of... I like the uh, the very first note that you have here. Uh, if I might, if I may yeah. steal your exact words, yeah. you said that you've been waiting for an episode like this and last week's Children of the Comet for fifty six years. What does that mean? Um, basically, we we got a taste of who Una might be, and that was it. Um, besides the books, which have built her history and which are referenced in this episode, uh, we just we don't know anything about her, and yet. Only speaking for myself, I have always wanted to be her. <laughs> so getting to know her in this way um, and having an episode where we're going back to a period that she interacts with almost everyone, um, if not one-on-one, then together, you've got her working in sickbay, you've got her talking to Ahura, you've got her interacting with Hemmer. Um, having all that time together and then still having a B-plot and stuff going on in the planet that's exciting, but not too distracting or overwhelming while seeing her just take command of the ship. Like now I want Captain Una show, which how many Star Trek shows can we have? But I will take as many episodes featuring and centering on your, on, um, number one as possible her too i love them both and i thought both of these episodes did such a fabulous job of just adding to their 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 mythology um and really bringing their stories forward so that we get to know who they are 
one thing that, and I know this may sound uh, a little controversial about uh, about my opinion of Una's decision to delete her blog and because I thought that what she was saying was real. So in the end, and, and you brought this up, Pap, you said not to be, and I have it here saying that I would that rate personal log entry, if for anything, because it's a statement, Una was fighting not just for her better future, but for everyone's future. Um, what did you think about that? Because there, there is this message of, of what we look at from mission log. So do you think that that was something that may have been a little bit problematic? I didn't love it um, because I do agree that if if anything, she would be the person to speak up. Like she she walked onto that ship and took command in a way that to me implies that she would stand up for other people. Um, so for her to just delete it, I guess we're just still in part of the story where she's struggling and is just not not sure. Like she's only just just told Pike um, her truth, and maybe she just doesn't want it on record yet. Like the the that she's an Illyrian. Like because I, I guess with the log, it's going to be a permanent. Yeah, you know the thing is, I it's a personal log, so. I'm just wondering if that would ever be used against her. So I don't, I feel like it could be, but I don't, you know, I don't, don't know that part. Maybe that's in the control uh, section 31 books or something, but I would, I would think if it's out there, you know, if it's as much like someone would use our personal phone calls or whatever, if Mm. that information was available, I think that they might use it, uh, that sounds like a terrible situation to be in, to be honest. But it, it did seem a little out of character for the Uno we've we've met. But again, we know so little of her character that it's hard to say. Yeah. Well, you know what? Um, you know, we have uh, a few callers already lined up for us. So hey. let's jump right into our callers. And uh, welcome, Chris. Welcome back to the show. Uh, why don't we start with you? Why don't we start with how you felt about what Una did at the end and, and her decision? And um, then we can go into your thoughts about the episode. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. It's To me, it almost comes off as a kind of sort of tragedy. Is that like she, I, and this I'm Rebecca Marine on the Ready Room, she's like, Una is proud to be an Illyrian, but I think sort of what you guys are saying is that she doesn't know where this log will end up. She doesn't know who reads it, if it gets filed away somewhere. So, like, I think she wants to, like, keep being an Illyrian, and I think when push comes to shove, she will end up fighting for other Illyrians or other people like her, and we can get into that in a hot second. But I think it's more, I think it was just a technicality of, like, I don't want this, like, on paper, on record, because this is a, this is a you know, dangerous battle that we're maybe not ready to fight quite yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you know, it's... Pike went to bat for her, you know, and I have to believe that there are other recording devices on the Enterprise aside from just personal logs. So if Pike is out there saying that, he's going on record for backing her up. And I think that's something that I think that she should have leaned into that maybe a little bit. So but that's that's just, you know, how I'm I'm seeing it. You know, what? I'm I, I usually don't. um go into the chat, but I've been kind of like uh, questioned 
uh, by Paul here. He said, come on, Norman C. Lau, you better bash Una as much as you bash this Cisco during Deep Space Nine. Okay, I'll go there. Um, yeah, but here's the thing is what she did, Paul. Yes. Uh, the, 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 okay, I'm, I'm, I'm wrong there. I'll admit that because I don't know all the details about the Illyrians. She didn't cause the deaths of hundreds of thousands of Romulans yet with her admission so or in admission so i think i'll just leave that there uh go ahead chris yeah yeah i was i was uh, thinking about that when i watched the episode i was like well this is an interesting callback call forward whatever you want to call it the deleting of the log but yeah i think it goes back to the fact that this is something that it's all in her heart it's all about her it's not about sort of like the external like wide-ranging circumstances that the cisco log deletion was about this mm-hmm. is just sort of her you know talking to herself and working through the problem so yeah i get that mm-hmm. but yeah they're not quite the same the the other thing that i thought was really interesting this week and i hope we see more of is the dichotomy between una and lon because i really like if we're gonna make someone on the bridge a you know third or fourth descendant of Khan, like you using it in this interesting way in this sort of almost narrative about like privilege or like as a metaphor for privilege in that the way Una has dealt with her genetic enhancements and the way that Lon has dealt with not being enhanced but being descended from an enhanced person I think this is a really interesting way to go about it if we're going to commit to that route of having a sing on the bridge so I hope to see more of that going forward I mean, there are, I mean, everyone has a secret, right? I think that that's the one thing that's interesting about Star Trek is that no matter how, like, say, noble our heroes are, there's always that one secret that usually comes up, especially when the writers want it to. So, (laughs) (laughs) um, how do you feel about the, Chris, how do you feel about the, the series so far? I mean, it, it sounds like that, at least from what I'm reading, like in the comments and on social media, it sounds like that this is the series that's, that's servicing the fans in a way that, uh, that, that even probably the fans didn't even expect in, in a very positive way, in a way that, I mean, I know that a lot of people are saying that it, it reminds me of TOS. It reminds me of like the, the yesteryears, pardon the pun, of Star Trek. But I don't see it. I mean, as a big TOS fan, I don't really see it that way. I see it as just being really good storytelling that respects what came before, but doesn't really always stay inside the box of what a lot of people believe should be the canonical box. What do you think? Yeah. I think people are using the, the TOS thing as a kind of shorthand for the episodic, non-serialized, non-sort of modern television. Because I, I, I mean, I, I love it. I love Century Worlds, and it definitely is scratching that itch in a way that a lot of people are talking about. But I don't, it's not like it's, oh, this is the 60s. I mean, it has a little mid-century modern vibe to it, but it's not like it's a total throwback. But yeah, I'm, I'm loving the episodic stuff. I'm loving the sort of character spotlight mechanic that we're doing where it's like this week is Una, last week is Uhura sometime we'll get a chapel episode and I will be very 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 happy about that but yeah good stuff good stuff all around it's great to see like chapel do science because uh, she didn't really get to do a lot in the original series so it was neat to see her actively doing stuff um, and being very proud of it <laughs> like she was she was always more a softer character um, and more it seemed there for Spock than anything so it's great to see her there for herself doing science and cool things and and knowing she does a good job oh yeah I mean that uh, I know I'm good at my job you don't have to thank me that, that, <laughs> I love, that was so good yeah so good <laughs> 
I'm sorry about the internet connection that I have here, folks. Uh, unfortunately, I think my ghosts of Illyria are affecting my technology right now. Uh, and uh, I'm sorry that I missed what I miss. I only was down for like 10 seconds, but 10 seconds can change a lifetime. I was just gushing about how much I love chapel. Right? I mean, come yeah. on. Like it was, it was great to see her doing science and, and uh, being proud of it is what I said. Do you think that, well, I haven't seen if there was a preview for next week's episode, or I should say this Thursday's episode. So hopefully she'll be up next because we're getting some really interesting, like specific character uh, focused episodes. You know, we had Uhura, now we have Una and hopefully maybe Christine Chapel because these are characters that we just haven't seen enough of, obviously, since the cage. So yeah, uh, what do you think? I mean, the, the preview seems to be maybe another Laon episode, but I, I think Chapel will get up there sooner rather than later. Okay. Yeah. She's doing great. And I, I hope that, it, again, her, her character isn't just relegated to kind of like um, fun, poignant, yet comedic instances. Because she does like break a lot of tension in the episode, and I think she's really, really good at that. But again, there's always that secret that comes out when you least expect it. You know, Laan's secret obviously coming out more um, as the character goes on. Uh, Una's obviously in this episode, and perhaps later on we'll have I, you know more. And Mabengas. Well, and Hammer, like Hammer's great. I love Hammer. We don't really know anything about Hammer. Um, his makeup is fantastic. Great job. Uh, but I, I hope that we get more of him too. And I'm sure that we will because they get the chance to breathe and to know them. And yay, sorry. I'm very excited about it. You know, um, you and I had a similar note here, Heather, about how amazing the set design is, but how amazing that engine room looked. Oh my yes. God. How good was that? Yeah. I mean, like, at least for me, like when, when 2009 came out and we saw the Constitution class starship, we saw the Enterprise, a lot of things were still very familiar. But when they brought the engine room into play and everyone kind of knew that it just really didn't work. I mean, you know, bravo for the attempt, you know, it was an interesting type of set choice. It was a little too kind of like real world 21st century industrial. So going into actually seeing a new Constitution class starship that predates the original series era, this is what the engine room actually looks like. Um, Heather, you're excited about it, right? Yeah, she's so sexy. It's just most gorgeous. Oh, sorry, I, I lose words because I, I just I wasn't expecting that shot, and then getting it and just seeing the space. Like I love that we get to see the space of things. Same thing with um, the medical bay being two stories and big enough for fifty people. It just you know those are things that in TOS uh, weren't quite as large. So to have it on this screen and just I'm loving the way that they're they're using color and they're, they're using like the primary colors of TOS with lots of bright light but it's it never feels like it's too much for me um, is there lens flare because I don't notice it like I'm just not so much lens flare but there's definitely floor glare yeah I think okay, that's a, yeah. that's a that's a new, maybe that's a new thing uh, that's TM mission log by the way floor glare that's that's ours <laughs> Alan you can't take that yet no, maybe you can I don't care you know as long as you do something with it um 
Chris, stick around for a little bit. We're going to go right into a little bit of an ad break here, but we'll continue on with you as soon as we talk about uh, what's happening with Patreon. Now, uh, I know a lot of people here, and, and we have new listeners that join us on Facebook all the time, so thank you for that. But here on Mission Log, we have a little thing that we do called Patreon. So if you go to patreon.com slash mission log for as little as a dollar a month in your subscription, you get to join us on Discord, our very special Discord, where we have uh, a great deal of our fans join us talk to us, join our different chat rooms, talk about everything from food to Star Trek to everything in science fiction and everywhere in between. Uh, Heather, you're new to the Discord. How's your experience been there? Um, just kind of like navigating through and seeing like all the stuff that we're, you know, celebrating, you know, in, in fandom. Yes, super great. And such a like happy, positive space to talk about things. Um, and I appreciate that so much because the internet is a scary place to talk about fandom sometimes. Um, but yeah, and I love the variety. I love talking about food, um, <laughs> like and sh- sharing food pictures with friends. It's great. Um, but then just having to do deeper dives on the episodes, um, as well as some of the perks that you guys have getting to, to, to talk like the mission log after dark type stuff is really great. So, I mean, I'm a big fan of supporting the show via Patreon and I think that everyone should. And uh, and thank you for bringing up Mission Log After Dark because Mission Log After Dark and then on Wednesday nights, uh, we're also doing another live type show. We're continuing almost this conversation that we're having on Mission Log Live there on Discord talking about the brand new shows, the you know, to the last day before the new episode starts. So you have almost six days in total to kind of absorb the show, kind of figure out what you like, what you dislike. And if you had, didn't have a chance to call in and talk about it now on the live show, join us on Discord. Join us there for the conversations. And then again, on Thursday nights, every Thursday night, we talk about the episode of the podcast that just dropped. In this case, this week, we'll be talking about Heroes and Demons and Beowulf. And you know that you don't want to miss that because that's going to be absolutely amazing. I believe so. You should believe that too. All right. So, um, so Chris, uh, we have a couple of uh, callers lined up, but I wanted to give you like a, a chance just to get out uh, one or two more things about this episode that you, that was really important to you. Oh, let's see. Uh, I mean, I'm just, I'm loving Babs. I'm not going to attempt to pronounce his last name. The guy who plays Ambanga. Uh, just the sort of like poise and stillness that he brings to this. I'm really loving. He's, he's very zen. Um, so I hope we see more of him. I'm curious to see what the deal is with his daughter. I feel like medicine should maybe be a bit better in a couple hundred years. But okay, he needed a secret. Everybody gets a secret. It's like Oprah. You get a secret. You get a secret. You get a secret. <laughs> But, but that's a really good way of putting it. I, I think that's something that, uh, unfortunately, we may have glossed over a little bit because this was so innocentric of a show that, you know, Mabenga's in pain, obviously. And, you know, he has, you know, he he doesn't want his pain just waved away, you know, with a magic wand. You know, he he needs his pain, you know, uh, a la Star Trek V. No, you know, just adding a little bit of humor to, to lighten that up. But there's something definitely working at him. And... You know, uh, when you, you when when Una put it into context that you know he almost sacrificed an entire ship to save his secret, that you know that's something that you know as an audience you really have to chew on something like that. Like, will we make that same decision? And because he is not just Starfleet but a Starfleet doctor, that decision you know can't be can't be weighed too lightly or too quickly, and definitely something that will probably haunt him a little bit later on like i almost ended an entire 
Starfleet's mission because of my selfishness, but it's my daughter. And if I don't protect her, who will? So these, that was almost kind of like a no-win scenario for him. You know, but again, we didn't have that much time to focus in on what that meant. Um, Heather, what do you think about that? Uh, yeah, my my heart it, it breaks for him. Um, I am glad that there is solution. There's a solution where, as long as he's bringing her out and interacting, like she's okay, and so that they're still having that relationship. I thought that his response to all of this, as well as Una's decision to. Um, you know, out herself, like they were both so very responsible um, and, and (laughs) taking responsibility for the things that he had done. Like instead of having some kind of fit or anger issues or, you know, trying to find a way to hold on, he just said, I am so deeply sorry. I had no idea that this would happen. Um, All that I ask is you give me some time to do what I need to do and to let my daughter go. And Una turns around and offers him this grace of setting up a completely different power source. Uh, And then she's greeted with that same grace by Captain Pike and saying that he will keep her on board, reject her resignation and keep her secret. And I think that those are those are parts of Star Trek that I love the most because they teach us how to be better human beings and not only accepting responsibility for the things that we do, um, but accepting mistakes as a human truth and offering that grace or that allowance of um, opportunity to, to make right on something someone has done and to change. Um, so I, I thought they were really beautiful moments, despite the situation that he has. That is what I took away um, from our time with, with both of them, honestly, and their decisions at the end there. That was wonderfully said. I mean, I, I, that's exactly it. You know, you take a look at uh, some of the, the true morals and meanings and messages that we take away from Star Trek episodes. And sometimes it's just about the human factor, you know, the human condition. I mean, I know that we've talked about the motion picture and referenced it a couple of times on this show, but it really is about the human adventure. And, and for some people, that adventure is just beginnings. For some people, making those understand uh, and, and understand those connections, it's all about... There's the right way of doing things, but sometimes the right way of doing things isn't the human way of doing things. And being able to reconcile what really is the difference between those two decisions. And I I think that if you do it right, and if it's really presented in a way where you can understand that and that can, and you, and you take that away, you know, for the rest of your life, that kind of a lesson, and then that helps inform your decisions later on. I don't think that's too bad. Right. All righty, Chris. Um, Thanks for calling in. Always great to see you. Yeah, I appreciate you being here. Yeah, have a good one, guys. All right, take care. Okay. Alan. 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 What's up? Hey, there we are. How you doing, man? (laughs) Sorry, it took like three tries to unmute, but I think we're here now. Can Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah, we're good. We're good. It's Excellent. usually it's usually my problem. It's never anyone else's problem. It's usually my uh, problem. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. It's yeah. It's 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 not Mission Log Live unless somebody's internet goes out, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Is it live or is it uh, Memorex of Illyria? So yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yes. What's Spork and Park? I like Spork. Sporks is, is it's going to be a thing. Spork. I think Sporks is going to be a, a thing now. You've just you've created your your own ship. Uh, permission log. Yeah, yeah. Well done. 
sorry. The slash before slash sport. Right. <laughs> slash flatware. Was this a big episode for you, Alan, as it was for us? I, I think so. Um, what I really liked about this episode, and I, I talked about this on the Mission Log Discord, <laughs> sign up now, um, is that this this sort of harkened back to me more of TNG than the previous two episodes. And a lot of people are saying, oh, it's episodic, blah, blah, you know, episodic this, episodic that. It's not so much that. It's the fact that we're back to sort of the typical TNG style cast. And that's not to say anything's bad about Discovery or Picard being centered around one principal character with the people that are you know, responsible or important to telling that person's story. Um, you know, cause that's, that's definitely a viable way to tell, you know, a narrative in, you know, modern television uh, production. But in this instance, you really do get, you know, a problem of the week, which you could do in a, in a serialized show as well. Uh, but you get a problem of the week and just like in TNG, when you had everyone around the conference table, here you've got medical tackling the problem. You've got engineering tackling the problem, science, security. Everyone's got their own take on how to solve this problem. And it's up to the person in charge in this week. It's Una to take all of these different positions and boil it down to okay, here's how we're going to do this. Um, had a great side plot for Spork. They did a good job uh, being spirits in the Illyrian world. Um, then, hey, well done. <laughs> snuck, that in, right. snuck that in there for you, Norm. Nicely. Um, well done, <laughs> but, but yeah, just... And the, I, I like, too, that... I feel like the more that we're learning about these people, we're going to get to that other side of the TNG equation, which is where everyone sort of had their own moral or ethical position too. Data was all logic. Troy was all emotion. Uh, Worf was let's keep our, you know, you know, let's, let's protect ourselves at all costs. Um, You know, Riker was sort of, ambitious and you know let's go for broke um you know crusher was is this the right thing to do you know and and again we had uh picard to sort of like funnel it all together so hopefully we get to know these new characters in such a way that they can sort of we can sort of get their takes as well one of the things that I thought was interesting when I first saw the preview of this episode and the reaction on social media, I love seeing the reaction on social media for basically seeing 15 seconds worth of content. And this, in this particular case, there was a lot of comparison to the original series, The Naked Time, just because there were characters on this enterprise that were acting in, in a strange and um, an, an unprofessional way. Obviously, that means that they're ripping off a story that happened, you know, 55 years ago. 
It didn't, though. This story had absolutely zero connection to what happened in the naked time. Yeah. So hopefully, because these stories are subverting expectations so well, especially within the tight-knit fandom community that we are, hopefully that we as fans are doing our, our due diligence as stewards and shepherds of this new series and say, you guys really aren't you're not seeing the bigger picture of what's being said here, the story that's being told, not in a way where like you guys don't, don't know what you're talking about, but you're like, if you guys really, really, really paid attention to the show or actually watched the show, instead of making the snap judgment decision after 15 seconds, you might actually find it valuable for your time, worth oh, your yeah. time, you know, because like I said, it's easy to make that, uh, that assumption, you know, based on a snippet, but whew, wow. I mean, that uh, this episode in general had so much more going on for it than I think people realize that are kind of writing it off at first glance. Oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say it definitely like also had elements of devil in the dark to me where you're fearing something like the Spock and Spork were afraid of the <laughs> light. You know, the, I think at one point he called them plasma beings, light beings, energy beings, whatever. Um, and then it turned out that, you know, they're involved delirians and supposedly and, and helping keep them safe. And uh, so, yeah, I think to me, those, those, those kinds of connections, it's not so much that, oh, you're pulling writing from another story as you are just paying homage to, to Star Trek in general, like the devil in the dark line, especially with um, learning that something you fear is, is friendly and, and that you should not fear it. Like that is, that is just Star Trek. And, yeah. I, you know, nobody pulled that out that I saw, but I, at some point there, there are things that I believe are more, homages and considerations and then like coincidences than mm -hmm. outright taking things from what you know one thing and another <laughs> and again like you you really hit the nail on the head there with the watched it for 15 seconds was it um and making a decision because i think if anyone watches these shows and that the biggest thing for me is i don't see how you can watch all of these shows um know the writers or the showrunners listen to interviews and in any way come out with they don't care like they may not be doing things that fans want in a specific way but they all seem to really honor the franchise and want to pull from its legacy as well as you know create a, a world for new fans um so mm -hmm. yeah i'm down to that that criticism because <laughs> no i sure it might have been similar to naked now i i went the sub rosa route with the like ripping and just like oh on the, the lights um, of course yes like that's kind of what i got from it but i just it's it's so great overall that to me like i don't think aside from maybe that her deleting the log like i'm trying to think if i have a complaint about this episode alan do you have is there anything that didn't sit well well i the a little bit there's a little bit i'm still i don't i don't know what it's gonna take for me to to come to grips with the character of lan nunian sung knowing that they find her ancestor and they it's the same oh. ship like is macgyver's on the ship now like you know could they I, run I, into each other 
I'm glad you brought that up, Alan, because Heather and I were actually having the same conversation before, and I was actually having yeah. it with my friend Todd earlier. And uh, so here's the interesting thing. So Una says Khan Union Singh in canon in this episode out loud. And, you know, and La'an associates um, the... <laughs> You know her her past and, and and obviously kind of the the attitude that people have you know cast aspersion on her because of who she is related to. Well, I've got to think about so, that too, <laughs> right? So there's there's this issue here, and I do believe, and again, I'm putting this in the context of somebody who you know grew up with the original series as as my compass, right? Because that you know this was the Star Trek that I grew up with. Yeah. When an, when a character like Khan is referenced pre his appearance in Space Seed in 1966, it doesn't necessarily mean that he's erased or never existed in history until that moment. Think about it this way. True. Hitler is not written or rewritten out of the history books. He'll be there in perpetuity for the next I don't know how long. So it's the same thing with Khan or any of the other supermen that were able to escape the eugenics wars. There's still names that are spoken of throughout history. And that's where I think is going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how they handle being able to weave that into the canon that leads us up to Space Seed when they find the, the DY-100 class ship. And then, you know, and then they resurrect Khan. But... I am also still, and I'll be honest, I'll be, I'll, I'm still struggling with, does that take away the impact of when they actually find Khan? Because Spock's like, I maybe had a, a, had a conversation about that with yeah. Una or with La'an at some point in time because we served on the same ship. Just because that we don't see it actually acted out or scripted out, we can generally assume that they're all having conversations all the time oh, yeah. because they're living, breathing human beings and they have to pass the time with talking to each other. That's just the nature of reality. Oh, yeah. I On a different forum and a different subject, um, people were talking about um, spoilers for Doctor Strange 2. It's been out for several weeks. But let's just say that uh, people were asking why it's just now occurred to Stephen Strange to go talk to Wanda and see how she's doing only now that it's become that he has a problem that he needs her to help solve. And I'm like, maybe I'm just an old school comic book fan, but that never occurred to me because anytime that I'm reading a comic book and some character isn't in, in it, that means that they're dealing with their own stuff <laughs> in some other book. And I can see right down the aisle, there's a whole store full of other superheroes' problems that are being dealt with at the same time. So the fact that we don't see something happen on screen, doesn't that doesn't bother me uh, in particular. It's... it's I don't know. It, it may just be the fact that we keep going back to Khan specifically as as a thing, and you know, uh, for and the fact that it is sort of weird that he's Khan and she's Lan, and I'm like, yes, of course she got 
trouble. You know, she got picked on in school. You know, uh, why? <laughs> why wouldn't that happen if you were, you know, named so similar to, you know, a mass murdering genocidal killer? Um, you know, and I almost wanted her to sort of like continue on with that discussion. Be like, Here's the yeah. thing, though. Here's the thing, though, Alan. Let me let me let me yeah. uh, okay. let me redirect from here. So. Oh, sure. I understand what you're saying, but she's growing up in a future where humanity is supposed to be better. They should be. Yeah. Right. I mean, she's growing up. I mean, I don't know like where her abuse is coming from, but it's kind of like when you're watching yesteryear and those two young boys are like, you know, abusing Spock. I'm like, those are, those are emotions that they're abusing him with not logic. Right. So there are going to be cases in point where, you know, we have to think about like where La'an is actually suffering, you know, the trauma of her past from. And that is a point in time where humanity is supposed to be better than itself. So what are they trying to say? Is that are they yeah. trying to say that that's actually not the case and that we are still growing as humanity? Or are they saying that we need to create a character that, you know, uh, helps us bridge the character of one of the, the most notorious villains in Star Trek history? Or sure, do they or are they coming from a point where they're not writing for the us anymore, the you and the me, right? Where they're creating a character that, other new fans can understand new lessons from and then seeing that there's going to be something that ties in this character with the reason why that happens and pushes them further into a universe to study and explore maybe these new fans that are coming on board will actually watch space seed now because of her right and then watch star trek to the wrath of khan because of her right so i think that's a really interesting juggling act of responsibilities with the new caretakers of star trek of what are they doing to respect what has come before but also inspire the people that are going to watch later yeah in in a sense it's kind of the batman joker thing where you know yeah you 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 have batman and clearly his arch nemesis is the joker but you don't want to go to the well too often with that like well like i was saying you know i i kept thinking you know what if what if uh her her conversation with una had had gone even like one step further be like yes not only not only was i picked on as a child for being a noonian sing uh one of my ancestors my my grandfather he even tried to change it and they were like we know who you are john harrison you're not fooling anybody oh that should have happened oh my god <laughs> that really should have happened <laughs> i love it but you know what that's that raises a good point i'm like how i mean you're so yeah. nef- that name is so nefarious not harrison uh i love harrison but oh, you know yeah. nunian singh is so nefarious that no matter what you try and do to change it it's not it's not going to matter especially in the day and age of where they're going to be able to basically you know sift through every single grain of every single bit of information possible because that's the technology i mean we can do that oh, now like let alone in the 23rd century so it's almost kind of like well psh, i mean it really is just way too much work <laughs> to do anything about it you might as well lean into it i don't know I- i'm babbling on heather what do you think yeah, <laughs> yeah i think okay, you gotta lean into it look i when we sit down to watch strange new worlds there's um you know how when you sit down to watch marvel there's the opening credit and now it's all changed to a different thing but you've got the the comic book pages and this well now it's a lot so now for star trek you've got a whole little animated thing to be like star trek universe which is essentially 
essentially what what it's is and what it's going to be. And oh I my think, God, is it STU? Yeah. <laughs> nice. They, uh, you know, I very much think that right now Star Trek is, you know, again Paramount's hot commodity, and they are trying to turn it into something that you know is closer to Marvel or Star Wars, and. We'll see. Um, mm. I hopefully. I, I mean, like you know, y'all want to go to the Star Trek theme park, right? Like that. So I think it puts us just in a very precarious situation of you know people that really want to hold on to everything that Star Trek has has been. Um, and I mean, if you left Star Trek in the 90s, then just leave it back there, I guess, um, because it's it's going forward without you or not. <laughs> and I'm really curious to see what happens, you know, with Picard. I Picard ended and I was like, oh, so we're besties with the Borg now. Like, it was so weird to me, but I was like, OK, like, I see how we're changing these stories to take them away from the really dark things and, and bring them into the light. And so now we have a con uh, who is not like her predecessors um, and will be a very different character. And I'm curious to see what they do with that, because then what does it say to have this this really interesting um, lawn character? And then you go back and learn about Khan and watch Khan and you're like, wow, he was a hmm, what? Who? Um, right. So I don't know, but I'm I'm here for it. I think that you know, Strange New Worlds is doing an incredible job off the bat. Um, I'm really loving it, and I want to see more Star Trek. I like what they're doing, despite not liking all of it. Uh, so I'm curious to see where what happens with the universe. Oh yeah, and believe me, my my hopes and dreams for a Star Trek theme park are in many ways well documented throughout the mission log social media. So, you know, I've I've come up with a bunch of ideas and God God bless them if they ever if any of them ever come to pass. We'll make but sure they we'll, reach uh, out to you. Yeah. yeah, we'll 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 set a meeting with John Van Sitters and get those things squared away. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Alan, always great to have you here, of course. Oh, sure. And uh, thanks for th- thanks for calling. And uh, we're going to start wrapping up the show here a little Absolutely. bit. Absolutely. Uh, have a good one, guys. Thanks, Alan. Thanks Thank so much, you. man. We'll see you uh, back in Discord. Yep. All righty. So, Heather, there's one thing that I wanted to ask you about before we yes. wrap up the show. And it's an, a really interesting note. And I want you to be able to have some time to talk about it. And it was about Akila Cooper. Oh, yes. Um, because... She she was one of the writers of the episode, um, and this episode, which I, you know, as as a woman, as someone, I'm a non-binary woman, um, which just means I was raised and socialized as a girl, a woman, and it's very much a part of who I am. But as I've gotten older, I've realized that my identity is a bit more than that. So I identify as non-binary, non-binary woman. Um, I can speak from a marginalized place. <laughs> you know, going through the workforce and being in in situations um, that I really shouldn't have been because I'm a woman um, and then struggling with moving forward. I thought it was really important to see this 
reflection, which you spoke better in your notes. So I hope that you'll add a little bit here um, mm. with what you said. But but having having that representation in the writer's room, having a black woman there to be able to um, step into Una's, Una's character and kind of communicate something that is more universal for marginalized people. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I just really appreciated that. It's something that we fought for having to have women in the writer's room, um, but especially to have her um, leading this episode, it just was really touching um, and meaningful for me. Did you feel that that presence was coming through, you know, in the writing for, especially for Una's character? Yeah, I definitely did. Um, I, I don't think it like dominated everything, but I, I, I definitely feel that that voice was there. And ultimately, you know, for Una, it comes down to being an Illyrian um, and <sighs> being able to, it's like how we, how do I say this? We talk about, you know, how, um, well, I don't know how to best, I don't know how to best say it. Well, um, I'll go into my notes yeah. and maybe there's something that, that yeah. uh, develops you. from that. So I feel that there, especially when it comes to morals and meanings and messages, I feel that there was a direct message to those who feel marginalized because they're different. Mm-hmm. Um, and no matter how much more, how hard you work or the, you know, the, the, the personal discipline that you have towards, you know, your, your, your profession, just proving yourself above and beyond the call of duty is is not necessarily um, it, it doesn't equate to being able to push yourself through that marginalization. Right. And uh, as an Asian, um, I that's how I identified myself. You know, the harder I worked and the more that I achieved, the less marginalized I believe I would feel, and that's not necessarily true. Because there's a certain level of professional perfection or cultural perfection that one places upon themselves in order to try and shed, you know, the trappings of those marginalizations. So I think that that's where Una was at the end of this episode, understanding that realization. And that's why I still feel a little disappointed that she didn't at least uh, put that on the record. You know, because that's something that, again, these these logs inform Starfleet, not only of what happened, but let's take a look at the reason why the Enterprise, perhaps in under her tenure as first officer, as first officer did so well or survived so many missions or so many people came back from their missions alive is because she's there. Right. And if the stipulation for her not being there is what prevented that, then that could have changed everything. So I think that that's really like um, something that they they could have left in uh, Mm -hmm. and turned into a positive message as opposed to, no, I'm just going to keep this out and leave this, um, you know, questionable. But I don't think that should have been the case in my opinion. So I'd love to say like, maybe we'll learn more as time goes on, but... (laughs) You know, I don't know about that specific moment, but I can easily speak for myself as a woman. I I don't want to speak in any way for Akila Cooper or as a black woman and what she has experienced. But having that presence in the writer's room, I think, is just deeply noticed by many people, including you um, and me. And so I just wanted to kind of 
emphasize how wonderful it was to to have her on this episode. Well, I appreciate ending on that sentiment, Heather, and I'm so glad that you're back with us. I'm going to actually quote Carlos here because I like what you said, Carlos. She didn't put it on the record today. She might tomorrow. And I think that that's that's obviously a great uh, positive message. Like maybe not today, maybe tomorrow. And we'll see what happens with the rest of Strange New Worlds and see if that actually develops into something that we can obviously learn from. So uh, once again, uh, Mission Log Live is produced by Rod and Barry Entertainment. Technical production on Mission Log and Mission Log Live by our very own Illyrian, or is he, Earl Green. Be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from Roddenberry Podcast. If you would like to support Mission Log directly, give us a look at patreon.com slash mission log. Thanks again, Heather, for being here this week. Uh, glad to have you back. And thanks to everyone who was here in the chat, uh, who joined us live or who will join us later. We look forward to reviewing the next episode of Star Trek Strange New Worlds with all of you here on Mission Log Live next week. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.